Well, I've heard lots of crazy things over the years said about evangelicals. I dare say most evangelical Christians don't know what one is, and no way that our Jewish friends know what it is. So I want to take a few minutes today as we close our series on Jewish-Christian relations to set the record straight about evangelicals. Welcome to the Israel Answers series, connecting Israel, the Bible, and you. Join Susan Michael as she explores timely issues and current events from a scriptural perspective to equip the Christian world with a balanced and biblical response. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes, which will ignite your faith and bring the Bible to life in your everyday world. Now, let's join Susan with your Israel Answers. Since the year 2000, I have spoken to many Jewish organizations and audiences about evangelical Christians and their support of Israel. So I tend to use the term quite often in my articles and in my teachings, but I recognize that most people really don't know who is an evangelical. So while today's lesson may be of greatest interest to my Jewish listeners, I think we'll all benefit by understanding the various segments and trends within Christianity and to clear up some of the confusion. So let's get started. First point, the first point of confusion is over the description born-again Christians versus evangelical Christians. Some people will use the terms interchangeably. So they'll use evangelical in a very broad way to describe born-again Christians. But the narrow definition of evangelical is very different. So I want to explain the difference. There are many people who the description of born-again Christian applies to. These are people who say their faith is important to them. It makes a difference in their life. They have experienced Christianity on such a personal level that it impacted and changed them and or their life. So this is describing a faith experience. Some estimate as many as 100 million people in America describe their faith in such terms and would qualify as a born-again Christian. But an evangelical is a description of one's beliefs and not an experience. So an evangelical should be a born-again Christian and have experienced that life-changing moment of faith, what we call salvation. We can call it that born-again experience, an epiphany, um, whatever, but all evangelicals should have experienced that. Not all born-again Christians who have had an experience know the Bible and have a biblical worldview or lifestyle. So, to qualify as a true evangelical, there are four core pillars of belief. One is the authority of the Bible. Secondly is, of course, holding to the key doctrines of the Bible, which I'm not going to list those, and some may list the list differently, but basically there's good and evil, there's heaven and hell, there's, you know, these things. Uh, and that salvation, this is third pillar, that salvation comes through the atoning death of Jesus on the cross. And fourthly 
the importance of sharing that good news of what Jesus did with others. So the number of true evangelicals, Christians that actually hold to these four pillars, it's much less than 100 million. Some people say it's as little as 20 million. Let's say it's somewhere in between, but it could be as low as 20 million because I believe the number is going down. Now, this explains a lot of the polling and statistics that are now saying that few evangelicals even believe the Bible. That actually means they are not evangelical, okay? <laughs> Agreed? But the pollsters use the term evangelical in such a broad and sloppy way that a lot of their findings don't really make sense. They're talking about this larger group of born-again Christians. So the difference. Born-again Christians, are their faith is an experience. Evangelicals are defined by their beliefs. Evangelicals should also be born-again. They should be a subsection of that born-again world. But not all born-agains even know their Bible and can qualify as an evangelical. Now, I hope that's helped you. Now, speaking of pollsters, if you or anyone you're associated with wants to do a poll on these issues, please make sure you pick a polling firm that understands the two definitions, because many do not. They also need to know not to rely on self-identification. What do I mean? Well, if you're going to do a poll and you're going to call up people and say, are you an evangelical Christian? A lot of them are going to say, I don't know, or no. Or if you ask them, what type of, uh, how would you describe your faith or your religion or your belief? They're just going to say, I'm a Christian. Born again Christians, evangelical Christians, they're just going to say, I'm a Christian. They don't use these terms. These are terms that demographers use, okay? So we need to not expect them to self-identify. We need to know enough about what we're talking about that we can ask a few questions and we can qualify that person. Are they a born-again Christian? Are they an evangelical? Or are they this or are they that? We've got to know what we're talking about. And then thirdly, if we're going to do a poll or a study on this issue, we have got to understand that these worlds, whether it's evangelical or it's born-again Christian, are deeply divided. So no, we do not all look alike, sound alike, say the same things, or believe the same things. Now, let's look at the numbers here. Worldwide, there are as many as some say 2.6 billion Christians, meaning part of Christendom. Now that includes 1.3 billion Catholics, roughly 1 billion, what I'm going to call Protestant, and then about 300 million others, Eastern Orthodox, other movements, okay? Now, looking at the 1 billion that I called Protestant, roughly 400 million of them are mainline Protestant. So that includes the Anglicans, the Lutherans, the Presbyterians, the Methodists, and, and others, other smaller denominations. Roughly 600 million of those Protestants are evangelicals. And of the 600 million evangelicals, 
about half of them are Pentecostals and about half are not Pentecostals. And also, there are individuals who actually believe and would qualify as an evangelical Christian that are part of other categories, okay? So there's a, a little blurring of the line. I know evangelicals that go to a Catholic uh, church or they go to a Presbyterian or a Methodist, a lot of Methodists. So you can't really divide these lines by which church they go to or their denominations. It's really on their personal uh, beliefs. Now, this may raise a big question in our Jewish listeners especially. What is a Pentecostal? You just told me that about half of the evangelicals are Pentecostal and half are not. What's the difference? Well, some Pentecostals don't even claim to be evangelical because they've used that term for the non-Pentecostal. And historically, the divide between these two subgroups within evangelical Christianity has been very, very deep. Some non-Pentecostals have accused Pentecostals of being of the devil, and some Pentecostals have accused non-Pentecostals of not even being saved. So this divide has lessened in the last 20 years, but I remember back in the 70s and 80s, it was really very rough. It was very angry, and uh, there was a very, very deep divide. I'm so glad that today it's less of a divide. There's more of a recognition of the validity of each other's faith. Now, um, Pentecostal is a, a segment of the evangelical Christian world who also believe in the necessity of being filled or baptized by the Holy Spirit as described in Acts chapter 2, what happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon this group of, of believers praying. And it says that divided the fire fell and divided as to tongues on each individual. And they all, it says, they all spoke in other tongues. So Pentecostal churches or the Pentecostal teaching emphasizes the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the activity of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives, empowering us not just to live as Christians, but to minister in power to others. Now, non-Pentecostal teaching is that the Acts 2 experience I just described was a one-time experience. And after the deaths of the early apostles, that this died out. There was no further baptisms of the Holy Spirit. We all received the infilling of the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation, which is what we call that born again experience. So I am um, so glad to say today that uh, there is less of a divide, but there has been a very, very strong divide, and there still is in some pockets in the evangelical world. So there you have it, definitions, a little bit of clarity. You might be asking, well, what are you? Well, I am an evangelical Pentecostal, uh, which means that I am also born again. So that's my labels, all right? Now, my closing point I wanna make in this discussion is about the support of Israel uh, from the Christian world and which of these groups support Israel and why? Well, it's just not that simple. <laughs> we have to divide the Christian world 
a little bit differently when it comes to their support of Israel. So first of all, let me lay the foundation that there are many reasons to support Israel that are irrelevant to one's faith or where they fall within this denominational uh, categories or even how you read the Bible. There are many reasons based on history, uh, legality, um, many, many reasons. And I have a series called Why Christians Support Israel. It's a five-part series. Four parts deal with all those other reasons. The fifth part, then, we deal with the biblical reasons. So there are many Christians that support Israel that may espouse political support or, or a number of, of types of support. But those who do support Israel for the biblical reasons, many are born-again Christians, and they support Israel for kind of sentimental reasons based on the Bible. So they know that the people of Israel were the chosen people of God, and therefore we should support them, we should stand with them. And then they understand some of the political reasons of, of our shared values and our shared enemies and, and this kind of thing. Um, but evangelicals who are much more biblically based, uh, most of them support Israel and will quote biblical reasons. And the most verse mostly quoted is Genesis 12, 3, which says that those who bless you, God speaking to Abraham, I will bless. And those who curse you, I will curse. And through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, even within evangelical Christianity, though, not every evangelical Christian lines up with support of Israel. And why would that be? You're thinking, well, they've got the same Bible, the same verses. And it is because of their approach to the Bible is a little bit differently than the bulk of the Christian uh, evangelical world. The bulk of the evangelical world reads the Bible to mean exactly what it says, what the writers intended it to mean and to say. But there is a theology called replacement theology. And this approaches the scriptures a little bit differently, that God's promises to Israel and the Jewish people have now been put on the church because of the Jewish rejection of the Messianic credentials of Jesus, and therefore God's rejection of the Jewish people. And so he has now put all of their blessings on the church. The church has replaced Israel. Well, the Bible does not actually say this. It is an interpretation and a spiritualization of many things in the Old Testament. So um, the Bible teaches that we have a faithful God who made promises to Abraham 4,000 years ago and to Moses and to David and confirmed through the Hebrew prophets that are still being fulfilled today and all of them will be fulfilled one day because he is a faithful God. He is true to his word and his word is true. The church does not replace Israel. Our calling is very different from the calling on the people of Israel. And as the apostle Paul said in Romans 11, their calling cannot be revoked. He just came right out and said it. 
Their calling is irrevocable. And even if they are the enemy to the gospel of Christ, they are still beloved for the sake of their calling. That's what he said in Romans 11. Look it up yourself. So we see the hand of God at work in the regathering of the Jewish people back to their homeland in our days, because it is a fulfillment of his promises to Abraham as confirmed by the Hebrew prophets. If you believe that the Jewish people lost their calling and position with God, then the modern regathering is a fluke or a major coincidence of history. This is the real dividing line within the Christian world concerning the modern state of Israel. So, how many Christians in the U.S. support Israel? I nobody knows for sure, but I land somewhere around the 50 million mark because it goes beyond just the evangelicals. There's also much Christian support for Israel in the born-again Christian world, which is much larger. So um, for biblical reasons, and some of them for more sentimental reasons or political reasons or, or any of the reasons. So there is a large reservoir of support for Israel in the American Christian world. But let's not take it for granted you know, many disturbing trends threaten the strength of this support because they're threatening the strength of the evangelical movement in America. So we shouldn't take it for granted. So that concludes our series on Jews and Christians learning to relate. And I hope you learned something today about these different categories of Christians and what the terms mean and who we relate to and who supports Israel and who believes this and who believes that. I hope it's been helpful. I really enjoyed this series, learning from the pioneers about their work in Jewish-Christian relations and, and anything we can do to help further that relationship is our joy and our pleasure. So, in today's show notes, we link to my series on why Christians support Israel that lay out some of these many reasons why we should support Israel. I hope that you've enjoyed the series, and I can't wait to see you back here. I may take a little break. I may not be putting out Israel Answers podcast as often, um, but we'll certainly be doing more series in the future. So until then, I say, God bless. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Out of Zion with Susan Michael. Be sure to subscribe to Out of Zion now on Apple Podcasts, cpnshows.com, YouTube, or wherever you like to listen and learn. Out of Zion with Susan Michael is a production of ICEJ USA, all rights reserved.